BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. The last time Oakland had a new mayor, it was 2015. The town was in the midst of a long decline in crime. The median home price was $400,000, just about half what it is today. Uber just purchased the old Sears building in downtown. This was a city in the midst of a huge demographic change as the black population continued to shrink. Our new mayor, Sheng Tao, was the progressive candidate in November's close election. She knows Oakland politics and has a city council that's more liberal and aligned with her values. But the problems are bigger. Housing is so unaffordable. Homelessness has grown. The pandemic interrupted downtown's upswing. And of course, there's the issues of both crime and the city's relationship with the Oakland PD. Get your questions ready. We talk with Mayor Tao after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. 17 days ago, Sheng Tao was sworn into office as the new mayor of Oakland. After several years as a city council member and more working within Oakland city government as chief of staff to Rebecca Kaplan. Her election was closely contested by Lauren Taylor, who was widely perceived as more moderate and aligned with the policies of Tao's predecessor in office, Libby Schaff. But Tao, the progressive candidate, prevailed by around 700 votes. And now the real work begins. Welcome, Mayor Tao. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So I think what we want to get to, Mayor Tao, right off the bat, these issues in Oakland are big. They're hard. And an example of that is just a few days ago, there was a mass shooting at a Valero gas station near Mills College. A young man named Mario Navarro died. Seven other people were injured Can you tell us anything more about what's happening with that investigation? Well, right now, um, the police and uh, ceasefire, um, every single department, including Department of Violence Prevention, uh, everybody's on top of it. Everybody's been activated. When a situation like this happens, the first thing we think about is obviously the family and making sure that they are taken care of. Uh, But also we think about possible retaliation. Mm -hmm. And so we activate our ceasefire teams. Those are groups and community leaders within the community who can do the outreach uh, to really try to figure out, um, you know, if there is possibility of retaliation and if there is, then getting to the people and mm-hmm. having a conversation with them to uh, before they uh, decide to go out and retaliate or what have you. And so, um, you know, uh, it's all hands on deck on that. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very sad situation. Mm-hmm. 
You know, when you got into Oakland politics in the early 20 teens, you know, crime rate in Oakland was falling fast and, you know, everyone was quick to claim credit for certain programs, including ceasefire, which you just mentioned. Now, you know, crimes back up in particular, violent crimes in particular, shootings and in particular homicides alongside most other cities in California, to be clear. But fewer people are now kind of claiming the city's programs have a lot to do with the crime going back up. Based on the history you've seen, what do you think the city needs to do? And what what happened, do you think, in the late, uh, basically in the pandemic era to make shootings and homicides go back up? Well, you know, uh, as we all know, the, in the, during the pandemic era, um, there was a lot of hardships, right? And I think that with um, inability to go to work and um, kids being at school and multiple different variables, too, um, I think that's what drove up the different kinds of crimes. We're still at a, a lower point in crimes relative to where we were, you know, if I would say um, maybe a decade ago or what have you. Um, but at the same time, one life is one to many. And um, we truly need to have stronger you know, gun safety laws, right? Common sense gun laws. And so that's a part of it too, is the prolif- uh, proliferation of the ability and access to these guns, whether it's through 3D printing or others as mm-hmm. well too. And so um, that's a big issue. Yeah. You know, your administration put the police chief on administrative leave this month and he's been swinging back at you in the media. What led to your decision to put Chief Armstrong on leave? So this is the first time ever that a mayor has put a chief on paid administrative leave. It is not meant to be punitive at all. Uh, coming in uh, to uh, as mayor and previously as council member and before that as a staffer at City Hall, you know, what I have seen is that we have seen that um, depending on where you're at in the food chain, whether you're in OPD or anywhere else in the city, um, you know, if you're at the top, then you you know, you could get away with stuff. And and so for me, it's about the integrity of the investigation. This is not punitive at all. There is an active investigation under the chief uh, that's ongoing. And so just for the integrity and to protect him and to protect other officers um, uh, so that we can actually have a uh, the fact findings be completed, uh, that was my decision was to put him on paid administrative leave. Again, I want to be very clear. It is not meant to be punitive. It's just to save the integrity of the investigation. Yeah, I mean, I just have to say, he's certainly reading it not maybe not as punitive, but he like, for example, he has said, um, you, and you know all this, of course, but just for listeners, Oakland has been operating under a consent decree for the police department for many, many years related to the Oakland Riders case in the 1990s in West Oakland police brutality. So there is a federal monitoring staff that's led by Robert Warshaw and Armstrong, the police chief, claims that Warshaw, quote, clearly communicated with the mayor what he would like to be done, which is to say to put him on leave. Uh, What's your response to that? Um, You know, it was no uh, I want to be very clear that Warshaw did not did not direct me or in any way, shape or form. Uh, You know, I looked at the situation and um, again, there was an active, ongoing case uh, and investigation. And so anybody who is actively under investigation is on paid administrative leave. I want to say that it is not only the chief, it is also uh, the uh, the sergeant that's involved as well, too. Um, there is another uh, captain that was involved, but he's no longer with the city. If he were here with us, he'd be on paid administrative leave as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just not the chief. I know that that's, you know, what people are talking about, but it's, it's all the officers that are under investigation that mm-hmm. they are all on paid administrative leave. Yeah. You know, zooming out a little bit, 
you know, the department had seemed as if it was on the path after really a long time, the longest consent decree police departments under uh, in any major city. It looked like it was on its way to getting out of this consent decree organization. Would you like to see that happen? Absolutely. And I still see that I'm still very optimistic about the path forward um, in that regard. You know, we just had our hearing with the judge um, just um, uh, this week. And, you know, he wants to see us uh, come in April uh, to make sure that we are all, you know, aligned and making sure that we're making progress. And I do believe that under this administration, we'll be able to do that. You know, at the same time, uh, like I stated to the judge, I will not tolerate a subculture in any department where, um, you know, in this specific uh, specific arena, it's the is the police department that I'm not going to tolerate any toxic subculture around treating uh, officers who are behaving well uh, and doing their uh, they're doing their job, um, you know, and mistreating them, you know, and so it's. And because we have those values under this administration, I do believe that we will be getting out of the federal oversight um, come either this year or next year. We're talking with the newly inaugurated mayor of Oakland, Shang Tao. We'd love to hear from you. What questions do you have for the mayor? And here's another thing you can answer. What's something good or bad about your block in Oakland that you want the mayor to know about? Give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. Mayor Tao, this has been, you've been in office for 17 days, as we said. This has clearly been uh, pretty intense. Has anything surprised you about the jump from being a you know city council person to being the mayor? You know, uh, being at City Hall for over a, day, a decade now, um, I would have to say not really, right? I was uh, <laughs> I was prepared. You know, I was prepared to take on the job. I knew exactly what I was getting myself into, um, you know, and at this point, I do believe that uh, what the city is going to be able to uh, take from my leadership is my understanding of all the institutional history that I have gone through and mm-hmm. seen um, and all the hardship. But I know that the workers I- I- at City Hall, you know, in OPD, uh, we are all dedicated to the city. And the difference and the unique aspect about the town administration is that we're, you're going to see that leaders, leaders in the uh, in the city, come the city council or the uh, mayor's office, the city attorney's office, that we are all going to be united in one voice. And there's no going to there's not going to be a lot of that bickering that we have seen in the past. But it's going to be a voice of unity and leadership. I brief the council members and uh, I give them their due respect. Uh, they are elected to represent their district. And so that's a unique aspect, which I'm excited about. Yeah. You know, it kind of feels like, you know, what you called in your campaign an acute public safety crisis is really dominates the way that people are thinking about what's happening in, in Oakland right now. In your campaign, you noted that the, quote, old ways weren't really working. So now that you're mayor, how what do you want to change? Like, what are the first things got to be, you know, top of your list, I'm imagining, on like kind of making the city safer? Right. And part of making the city safer is really giving hope to the community. And part of giving hope is the tangibles. Right. And so the very first things that I want to do once uh, we have uh, interim city administrator Duffy in place is we're going to go out to the community 
and clean up, do the very basic things, right? Make sure that there's the illegal dumping is picked up, the graffiti is painted over, really give a sense back that the community can have their space back. And that's public safety 101, right? Um, and then really uh, meeting with community members too, to understand, you know, what is it that your community needs? I see that the, uh, I see City Hall as only one side to how we actually move forward in partnership. And the other side of it is working with businesses and residents. You know, we all have responsibility in order to keep ourselves safe. So that's uh, a big part of it, obviously, in regards to our unhoused community. Uh, I really do want to put up some uh, quick shelters that are dignified. And the goal here is to really take down the tents from uh, um, throughout the city. And so that people who need mental health uh, response, who have social, who needs the social services or what have you, that there could be a more centralized locations or locations uh, to uh, for services to be delivered. And that's the goal. The ultimate goal of, of this administration is really to take keep down up the with tent. the basics. Yep. And take and do the basics. When, when we talk about taking down the tents, how is the administration trying to measure that? Right. Um, is it do you have metrics in City Hall where you're like, we have. What are you doing? Well, you know, we do have metrics here at City Hall, but it's more it's it's multiple different prongs. There's so many different levels to this. And that also includes having a conversation with the Bay Area regional cities as well, too. We can't the city of Oakland cannot continue to just act as if we can take on everybody's unhoused. You can't just start sending people to the city of Oakland knowing that we are, you know, uh, more compassionate. And so that there's that aspect of it. There's also the housing aspect. Right. We need funding from the state and the federal government. That was something that I did while in D.C. I was just lobbying for more funding for our uh, for housing and also for mental health services, too. We're talking with the newly inaugurated mayor of Oakland, Shang Tao. The phone lines are full already, so you might want to try Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. What's something you want the mayor to know about your block in Oakland, good or bad? I'm Alexis Madrigal. We'll be back with more with Mayor Tao right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with the newly inaugurated mayor of Oakland, Shang Tao. 
Shane, I thought maybe you could tell listeners a little bit about sort of where you come from. What's your story of your of your life that landed you, you know, really in in the mayor's seat, one of the younger mayors of a large city uh, in California? Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, you know, daughter refugees. My parents, um, they escaped genocide from a war torn country. Uh, it's called the secret war. Uh, it's not so secret anymore, but uh, they were uh, in Laos. They're, you know, Hmong people. We don't have our own country, but lived in the jungles and sustained our lives that way. And so um, they arrived here in 79. Uh, there, I have nine other siblings. Um, growing up, it was a very difficult situation. Grew up in poverty, uh, in public housing, uh, on social services completely. Um, and my dad worked about like three to five jobs, mm-hmm. all different odd jobs. Mom didn't know how to drive, but she took care of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, born and raised in Stockton, California. Moved out here right after high school and um, have been here ever since. I got into my first real relationship. It was a domestic violence relationship. Four years of that. And he's, you know, he grabbed me by the hair while I was six months pregnant, pulled me down from the bed. And it's, it's, it's basically beating me and, um, and kicking me in my stomach. And so I, you know, in that moment, I decided like I, w- I, I wanted to make sure that my son, my unborn child was not going to be a part of that. So I left and became homeless lived in my car, gave birth at County Hospital, no visitors, um, you know, but it was the nurses. Nurses really took care of me. They taught me how to bathe and feed my son. And, um, you know, from there, I uh, kind of just couch surf with my baby. Uh, sometimes we would sleep in my car in the Bay Area as well. Enrolled at Merritt College, you know, as a single mom and also working on campus as well in the research and planning department. Uh, graduated valedictorian from Merritt College here in Oakland, transferred over to UC Berkeley, um, at UC Berkeley, I was a legal studies major, wanted to go to law school, um, you know, help co-found the basis of uh, what's called the Bear Pantry, which is food insecurity, right? And so uh, from that point, I did an internship because I couldn't afford to pay for my son's clothes. And um, they paired me with the at-large council member, Rebecca Kaplan, who mm. is still here at City Hall. And that's when I realized, wow, this is where all the policies are made. And it's where these policies impact families like mine, working families, families on the margins the most. And yet none of the leaders have the lived life experience. And so uh, instead of going to law school, I decided to change tracks to actually be a staffer. And so that's how that's how I got into politics is I wanted to just make sure that families like mine uh, receive the resources. Yeah. It really is a, a remarkable journey that that you've been on and clearly must inform the way that you approach the city and particularly approach you know what's really a crisis of of homelessness on the on the streets and I I want to go at one you know cuz it's easy to kind of talk about it in generalities but I want to talk about one specific situation that's happening in the city right now which um our own Aaron Baldessari has done really um some pretty incredible reporting on uh, on at Wood Street uh, an encampment where really for many years in West Oakland, people have been kind of creating informal housing on the streets. And I just wanted to play for you. This is going to be Lamonte Ford, who's one of the people who lives at Wood Street. Um, and then I want to hear what you think about what he's asking for. So we want you guys to understand that we are doing the best that we can. We do not like what's going on and we need the public to get behind this system because this system is working. So the three ask, right, is to stop evictions immediately across Oakland, California. Two, funnel resources into the existing encampments. Three, Judge Oreck, 
Please grant us the temporary restraining order. Samaritan, you as a council member voted along with the other council members for the encampment management policy. What do you think needs to be done specifically at Wood Street? Like what can happen? there? You know, I, I think that it's a very, it's a difficult situation, right? I, I truly believe that. I mean, I've been unhoused before too. And I can tell you that as a single mom with my baby, with my kid, that my first intention is to get into actual permanent housing, is mm-hmm. to get into shelter mm-hmm. that can block me from the weather and what have you so that we can have a semblance of uh, stability. And so that's always going to be my North Star. Also, I understand that as a single mom uh, who lived in, uh, who have only lived in an apartment for the majority of my life, that these open spaces, whether they're parks or what have you, that they're my front yard, my backyard. And that if, you know, and then I can't afford as a mom, as a single mom to, to see whether or not, you know, uh, if I saw an encampment, if, if folks were having a good day or a bad day either, I would, I wouldn't feel like I could allow for my son to play in that, uh, in that space. And so understanding the both aspects of it, but the goal here is we need to get people into shelter. We need to get people into shelter, uh, into dignified shelter. And I do believe that if you are living in a, a, a tent, like that's just uh, um, because we don't have enough shelters. And that is our job as government to provide that. However, uh, that is not a permanent situation. You, we cannot sustain, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having tents uh, out in the street. That's not dignified. That's not dignified at all. And I know that I've been unhoused before, you know, and even living in my car, where I am more protected than uh, from the elements uh, than being in a tent, it wasn't sufficient enough either. We have to get people into shelter. Yeah. Let's take some calls. Um, we're going to talk more about homelessness later in the show, but let's uh, make sure that people get a chance to talk with you. Um, Hal in Oakland, welcome. Hi. Hi, hi, hi Mayor Tal. Um, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you, and I, I, I voted for you, so I'm welcome to Oakland. Um, my big concern is... is is vehicles and, and driver safety in Oakland. Um, I think Oakland has some of the worst drivers in the whole Bay Area, and that uh, a dangerous vehicle is like a two-ton missile driving down the road. And, you know, just last week I saw a hit and run. Uh, I see them all the time. I see accidents all the time. Um, a lot of people in Oakland aren't registered. A lot of people are driving stolen vehicles. I, I see very little, um, you know, traffic enforcement. And, and that, that's, you know, I think unpolitical policing right there. I think that's very important. But, you know, if, if someone's driving crazy, if someone's hitting people or someone's almost killing you on the highway, um, you know, there's very little people out there, you know, that are ever going to get pulled over. And, and you know, I think this is dangerous for, for pedestrians. I think this is dangerous for cyclists and, and for other drivers. So, um, you know, this has been a concern of mine for many years. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering... Um, yeah, no, thank you, Hal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I bike around the city all the time and uh, fear for my life quite regularly. Uh, Mayor Tao? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much, Hal. I have the same concerns as well. My son is 16. He thinks he's invincible right now. Uh, and I have to tell him. He he has this new bike that I got him, and he, he wants to ride everywhere. And it scares me. And that's always my North Star is how can we create an Oakland that's safe for our kids to ride their bikes around as well as walk around. And so um, with that being said, I'm really big on environmental designs where we actually are, you know, we're paving so many of our different streets right now. We have to really be cognizant about how we design our streets and how do we actually, you know, um, help uh 
have drivers, you know, drive a certain way because of the designs that we implement. So that's part one. Part two, and to your point around enforcement, we do have to get back the traffic per, uh, safety personnel, right? Uh, whether it's in regards to our um, police motorcycle folks who are just geared towards uh, at the traffic, making sure that people are safe. But I want to also highlight that you know, with that being said, I would send them out to areas where we have our smaller children and that's schools. So for me, it's schools first. And then at the same time, we have to implement those environmental designs and make it uh, harder for people to actually just be through, like you said, um, as fast as a bullet, basically. Right. And so that's a huge concern of mine, too. And that and that's something that we'll be working on. Yeah. You know, Anna, in the uh, one of our listeners writes in to say, uh, I'm a new parent to a child attending the fantastic Oakland School of the Arts it's in, in downtown Oakland. It's an amazing school with stellar staff, faculty, and wonderful students. However, the neighborhood is plagued by young kids being robbed, sold drugs, sexually assaulted by adults outside of the school. I was subjected to an armed carjacking when picking up my child half a block from the school. What's the mayor planning to do to protect children and, and schools in Oakland, which seems to go directly to what you were what you were just talking about? Yes. So uh, my son also goes to the uh, the Oakland School for the Arts. He actually uh, told me about this incident. And I'm so sorry that uh, that that happened to you. And uh, I have the same concerns. You know, Uh, it has gotten a little bit better from when my son was in middle school at Oakland School for the Arts. Uh, He's in high school now. Um, However, we want to activate the ambassadorships and also activate the spaces. I'm in conversations right now with the uptown downtown bids to really see um, how we can work in partnership to make sure that we have more ambassadors that are walking around, adults who are in a bright vests, who have direct connection to OPD, to just be visible, right? We know that we have a lot of uh, young young folks out there walking around, especially during mm-hmm. lunchtime, pickup drop-offs. And then also the site that's right next door to the Oakland School for the Arts, where it's just an empty lot. Mm-hmm. I want to, I'll be working to try to activate that space as, in a, on a temporary level with the Oakland School for the Arts too. And so activation is key in regards to public safety. Yeah. Um, let's bring in another caller, Josephine in Oakland. Welcome. Um, oh, hey, Josephine, you're on. Go Thank ahead. You, Mayor. I really enjoy listening to your story. Um, I just bought a house in Oakland. While I'm excited about this move, uh, there are two things that concern me. First of all, I have two kids and I feel like the schools around me, Oakland schools are notoriously underfunded, um, just poor ratings. Uh, I just want to know what the mayor is going to do about improving the school and education in Oakland. And also, you mentioned about the trash, man. The trash in Oakland is getting worse every single day. Everywhere you go, there's trash. Um, I want to know what your timeline is for improving, one, the education, and also the the trash in the city in general. Yeah, Yeah, why don't we, um, let's do schools first because it's, you know, it's not something you directly control. And then let's talk about the trash. Yeah, so to school, I, I'm going to be committed to working directly with the um, OUSD school board members and the superintendent. We, The city doesn't have direct control over the schools itself. However, I will be lobbying the state and the federal government around uh, more resources for OUSD. And there are other things that I want to bring in. I want to bring in pipelines, right? We know that you know, I did not go straight to college, right? I graduated high school, took four years off. And so for me, it's about creating the success 
accessible pathways for all students. Some students may go to college, some may not. What about those kids? And so for me, I'll be working closely with OUSD to bring in pipelines for um, those trades jobs and not just that, but IT jobs. Uh, and then also working for uh, in regards to pipelines at the Peralta Colleges, Merritt College and Laney College as well, too, to ensure that, you know, if you want to continue to live here in Oakland, no matter which track you take, that you are successful and can sustain your family and can continue to live here. That's for the schools. And then in regards to the trash question, absolutely. Oakland's the dirtiest I've ever seen it. And so that's, and we have seen that, you know. What happened there, the- do you think, Mayor? Like what, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And, but I, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I live, I live in, I'm like, what, what, what happened? Like, why, why did this happen? You know, I, I, that's, that's a good question about what happened. I think that there was a, uh, there has been a sense of uh, other people coming in, dumping in Oakland and a sense of like, you can do it Oakland because there's somehow no enforcement. And, um, and, and that's my opinion on that. There, there's other factors as well too. And so we have to change that narrative. And um, that's something that I want to work with the newly elected sheriff, Yesenia Sanchez. You know, uh, the sheriff, we, uh, you know, the conversation I want to have with them is really have them come in to do some narrow, tailored work, right, around enforcement, around illegal dumpers. Like the message here is you're not going to be able to dump in Oakland. You better go find a different city, right? And so that's that's what we're going to be working on. And we see the consequences of having such a dirty city is you see all the floods, right? Our sewer system, we're, we're all plugged up with trash. And so it's not good for the environment as well, too. Um, and so a part of it is putting out more garbage cans, right? We don't have enough garbage cans around East Oakland. We have to educate uh, our, uh, our kids, our families, and our neighbors, and truly empower the community as well, too. It's going to take a lot of different prongs as anything else, but uh, we do need to have that partnership with uh, the Sheriff's Department. You know, one thing I know Josephine was interested in was also like a a timeline for this. Like, how can people who are interested in this topic, like, how can they keep track of what the city's doing? How can they contribute to that effort? Like, where are they going to be able to see, like, okay, the city has done X on the trash problem? Yes, I want to say, you know, I haven't finished my first month yet, so please give me some grace. (laughs) But to that point, you know, we're going to be starting uh, effectively uh, come February. I already have the conversation with uh, my interim city administrator, and we're going to be starting um, implementing and picking up the trash and, and all of that come February. Give us about, I want to say there's a timeline around uh three to six months in regards to the trash pickup, but there's got to be ways that we can continue to have the enforcement and not just that, but the education to ensure that we keep the areas clean. Um, But, you know, I'm making my rounds in regards to the different departments to see what their systems look like, including public works, where, you know, we're supposed to have roving garbage trucks go out and pick up just whatever illegal dumping that there is. Uh, and, and, you know, and I need all the data for that. And so that's something that my administration's looking into. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, David in Oakland, welcome. You're on with the mayor. Hi, thanks so much. Um, I've been in Oakland for about 20 years. I'm very excited about the move in the direction of more progressive politics in Shanks House. Your election is a great uh, example of that. One of the other things that I'm excited about in that direction is the macro program. And I just want to relate that. I observed an interaction in our neighborhood between two police officers who were dealing with someone who had a mental health crisis. I stopped on the sidewalk just to be an observer because I want to make sure police interactions with citizens are observed. 
And after they were done, I asked them whether they had referred this person to the macro program. And these two officers had never heard of the macro program. Mm. And then I learned that in order to get access to the macro program and you call 911, you have to actually call 911 and then mm. ask for the macro program. The yeah. macro, the 911 dispatchers don't themselves uh, refer people to the macro program. You have to know about it ahead of time. So mm-hmm. there's a major disconnect in terms of how well the macro program is known about and used. Hey, uh, David, thank you so much for that example of kind of the way that, you know, these different services remain disconnected in ways that actually have pretty serious consequences. Yeah. And to to that point, you know, and that was part of my frustration, too, is that um, as a council member, I'm seeing, you know, previously I, I saw that there were all of these departments and they were it felt like they were all siloed off. And so the information sharing was, uh, was not apparent, as we can see in this situation. Uh, it's not penetrating as as the, the way that we need it to. And so macro, I'm a huge fan of macro, helped bring macro here, was an early champion of it. Uh, basically, to the listeners, macro is basically mental health response. Um, so we have clinicians go out uh, and, you know, our officers are not trained uh, to actually de-escalate when it comes to, you know, mental health issues. And so we don't want them in those situations, but we do need to educate them around calling macro, which is, which actually is housed under the fire department. And the goal, and I have, uh, you know, this is something that I'm lobbying the federal government for too, is more funding so that we can have it citywide. Right now, macro is only a pilot program in the city of Oakland that's in deep East Oakland and a little bit in central Oakland, uh, but it is not citywide yet. And the goal under this administration is to make it citywide. The ultimate North Star is that it would have its own phone line so you don't have to dial 911 and that you can get dispatched directly to the macro program. But to that point, that's part of the uh, um, part of what my administration's mission is too, is to really not have departments siloed anymore. We have to have we have to come together and act as one team. And what one team means is that we all have to be educated around the programs that we all uh, that that we can actually utilize, and then not just that, but educate the community around as well too. Yeah. We're talking with the newly inaugurated mayor of my beautiful town, Oakland, California, at Shang Tao. Um, we are taking your calls. Phone lines are full. Again, we'd love to know what you want to know from the mayor. You can try Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. The email is forum at kqed.org. We'll try to get to more calls uh, after the break. Mike writes in to say, I'd like to propose a system of rotating homeless sites where half the sites are occupied while the other half are cleaned and prepared for residents to move in. The residents of the occupied sites could be given plenty of notice to prepare for the move to the new site with assistance from the city. After the move, the previously occupied site could be cleaned and prepared for their return uh, months later. Thanks for that suggestion, Mike. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We'll be back with more with the mayor right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with the newly inaugurated mayor of Oakland, Shang Tao. Thanks so much, uh, Mayor Tao, for uh, joining us this morning for the hour. I want to talk a little bit about the waterfront. Um, There's several huge controversies that have been bubbling out on Portland, which is to say city land, uh, as well as, you know, emerging climate justice issue out there. And I want to start with that. You know, reporting by UC Berkeley researchers, as well as by my colleague here at KQD, Ezra David Romero, into sort of what sea level rise is really going to mean for West Oakland has shown that, you know, groundwater could be pushed up by uh, sea level rise uh, coming in sort of low and causing toxins that were buried long ago by companies that made money off Oakland and then left uh, to become newly dangerous to, to residents. Obviously, you didn't make this problem. It's a problem that's been in the making for decades as people dumped on West Oakland. But what's the role of the city in trying to prepare for these kinds of uh, climate justice issues? Absolutely. You know, working directly with the community, but also working with the port. Uh, this is an ongoing conversations that, uh, conversation that we're having with the port as well. They're, um, you know, they're equally concerned. And so, you know, having these conversations at the federal level is going to be key, you know, for remediation and to be prepared for this. It all costs dollars, right? It costs money. We know that, that that's something that the city is struggling with <laughs> in regards to resources. And so uh, for me, I'm working closely with Danny Wan, the executive director over at the port to ensure that we are on the same page when we are going out to, um, you know, for grants and or what have you so that we can yeah. have the resources to make sure we can implement and what do you think the role of the enhanced infrastructure financing district is? This is kind of like redevelopment 2.0, um, being yeah. able to basically tax future property tax, gain revenue from future property tax uh, revenue in order to do things um, here today. I know Carol Fife, the representative from that district, has been a big proponent of that and, and you as well. So how much money do you think that could actually generate to do these kinds of cleanups for the people uh, of West Oakland? You know, I it, it just depends on how the city council is going to pass the policy. But I think that the EIFDs are going to be a huge tool in our tube belt. It shouldn't be the only tool, but it would be a huge opportunity for us to have the available funds. Um, you know, right now, I do believe that the priority is to use those fundings for uh, deeply affordable and affordable housing so that we can build up. But to your point, it can also be utilized for just that, just to make sure that we clean up um, uh, and make sure that we don't have the toxins come up because due to the climate changes, yeah. also wildfire as well, too. And so um, it's incredibly an important tool that we're going to be looking um, really uh, seriously at. Yeah. You know, I was looking at the budget, um, which I know that you're very well versed in from your years in, in City Hall. You know, you look back at, you know, fiscal year 2014, 2015 or, or before, you know, the budget's about, you know, billion dollars. And now it's about one point seven billion dollars. We also did a show on San Francisco, which has had an even larger increase um, in the budget. And I think it, there's been this question, I think, for for all of us uh, here uh, on our on our team and for listeners, too, of sort of like, well, where did that money go? You know, we've talked about trash is up. Crime is up. Uh, homelessness is up, and yet there's like hundreds of millions more dollars in the budget. So, like, what's happening? Right. Well, you know, it's um, the funds 
they're going and they're being implemented for services, but there are many vacancies at City Hall, right, in every single department. And I do, that's something that I'm working on is to ensure that we have a hiring blitz. I'm working with our labor unions to ensure that we go through uh, the civil process correctly, but to actually have a hiring blitz, these are all funds that are set aside for these positions already so that we can actually deliver the services that we need to. That's number one. Number two, with the understanding that there's a deficit coming up in the horizon of our uh, our city budget, we want to be very conservative in regards to how we use those funds. Um, because of the, you know, um, the vacancies, we do use those dollars to do the backfill and do mm-hmm. overtime. But the goal for me is to get the bodies into the seat so that we can deliver more services. Yeah. Um, other big controversies. Um, one listener writes to writes in to say, um, "How is the mayor working with the athletics to make progress in keeping Oakland's last professional sports team in the East Bay? Is there any uh, support from state or federal legislatures for additional funding sources? This would be, I suppose, really um, talking about the Howard Terminal, the proposed new mm-hmm. site for uh, the A's next to Jack London Square." So I want to say that uh, it is not the last sports team, but uh, we do have the Oakland Roots. I have to shout out the (laughs) Oakland Roots as well. I am Uh, wearing my Roots sweatshirt right now, Mayor, just so you know. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, That is our professional soccer team. Uh, Yes, we are still moving uh, and having those conversations. I'm excited to start having that dialogue with um, the A's ownership. Um, You know, the goal is to try to keep the Oakland A's here in Oakland. Right. And so that is still the ultimate goal. Um, I am having conversations. We did lose out on the mega grant. Uh, However, that was a very competitive grant. And, it, you know, it's my understanding that only one organization received it in California. And so there are still other possibilities uh, for grants for that area uh, in the Jack London area, Jack London Square area. Um, but I'm optimistic about the conversations moving forward with the Howard Terminal and the Oakland A's. Let's go back to the phones. Um, people want to talk to you, Mayor. Shocking. Uh, May in <laughs> Oakland. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mayor Tao and Alexis. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to ask Mayor Tao. Um, I uh, I have two restaurants in Oakland, one in the Diamond District, uh, where she was formerly the council member, and one on Lake Merritt. And both have been broken into five times in the last three months. Mm. And we are not at all unique in that respect. Uh, every day we hear of small businesses like restaurants closing due to the economic climate and public safety issues. What are your plans to support business so that Oakland can help what's left of its commercial vitality and sources of employment? Yeah, thanks for that call, May. I, I have a friend who runs a shoe shop that's been broken into, you know, half a dozen times in the last year and a half. Absolutely. You know, I was just at a, a, a restaurant yesterday, last night, and um, many of the storefronts were broken into just for the sake of breaking into them. And um, I'm having conversations with the council members right now around setting uh, setting aside a fund to help our small businesses and working in partnership with our larger corporations to also put in some funds for that. But the whole goal of this is like, let's not have it happen to begin with, right? And so the deterrence part of it, and that's something that I'll be working on with uh, Chief Allison. Chief Allison's an interim police chief right now. But to really think about, you know, some outside of the box ideas around during the late hours and early morning hours, 
you know, when the streets are darker and um, there's not a lot of visibility or what have you, like, how do we actually uh, make sure that we deter these different acts from happening so that we can support our small businesses, right? And so the first thing that I want to do is to make sure that we do have that pot of money so that, you know, if a small business is um, targeted, that we can support them financially with the resources. That's number one. And then number two, which is the harder one, is like the preventative measure around it as well. And that's a conversation with the new district attorney as well, Pamela Price. Well, a lot of that, too, really seems like uh, what I think people want is just like somebody, some accountability somewhere along the line for what has happened. Right? To just be like, this is what we intend to do. This is the effect we hope that it has. And then like a follow up on that down down the line. Right. I mean. Yeah, a lot of this time, a lot of the times, you know, it's very frustrating, um, you know, when you call in a report saying like, look, my restaurant or my storefront has been broken into. Can somebody please come and take a report? And you don't have that somebody come and take a report in a timely manner. So then, of course, you would feel uh, as rightly so like what the government, my government does not care about us being here. Right. And that's the last, um, you know, that's the last thing I want them to feel is I, I we need our businesses here and we want to make sure they feel supported. And so that's uh, a part of my charge, too, is figuring out how do we you know, uh, do we, you know, can we hire more of our retired officers to come back to do just the reporting part of it, right? Um, because having somebody come out and really uh, not just take the report, but to also hear the concerns and, and take in that, that action itself, it means a lot. And so uh, for me, that's that's something that's top of mind. That's something that I ran on on my campaign as well, too. And so uh, we're looking into those aspects. Yeah. Um, there is, there's been... Uh, some controversies about how homelessness has been dealt with um, in the city. Um, you know, Daniel Cooper, the city's second homelessness coordinator, was let go earlier this month. Uh, in an interview with Oakland Side, he said, it's impossible to perform and succeed with excellence in this role, given the resources and tools that are provided. Uh, questions out of this. One, do you agree with that assessment? And two, what kind of resourcing can be given to that department if it needs more? Yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, it, it was, um, you know, I, I think it's a hard job, right? It's a hard job we have. But I do think that the tools that need to be given is a clear direction. I think that we have already given direction from the city council side, but we need to be more clear because I think there's like about three policies that are floating around, right? You, which one do you follow? And so it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to be combing through and really getting uh, the council members uh, to be uh, targeted in regards to which policy they want city staff to follow. And then from there, from to, to that point, is really uh, giving the ability of more staffers for the um, the homeless department as well too, to make sure that they have the capacity to go out and actually have conversations with the people who are um, our unhoused community and really seeing what resources they need. But, you know, we can, it's, every single department needs more resources. And um, I, don't, it, I don't believe that it is an, an impossible task. I don't, believe I don't agree with that it is a possible task we've seen other people do it previously and um, I want to shout out uh, assistant city administrator Latonda Simmons assistant city administrator Latonda Simmons has stepped up to the plate to be in this position previously and then now with uh, Cooper being um, being let go yeah. um, she stepped up again and so I uh, just want to make sure I shout her out um, we actually we have an unhoused person on the line mayor um, Aaron in Oakland uh, would like to talk with you now hey Aaron Hello. Hey, go ahead. You're on with the mayor. Um, 
Yes, my name is Aaron. I'm resident at the Wood Street Commons. Um, and I'm wondering how the city can claim that they're helping the homeless and trying to put them in permanent housing when they are actively evicting us from what we already have sheltering us. Like, I am sheltered now. Everyone at Wood Street Commons has a home right now. We're going to get evicted from that home so that they can supposedly build houses for the homeless, for us. But I signed up for their tiny cabins, and they finally came around and told me that they had a place for me, that it would, I would have my own spot, that I would be able to bring everything with me within reason, obviously. I explained to them I had a lot of nice stuff, but I was only bringing nice things, not any kind of trash. I understand mm-hmm. they don't want people boarding or bringing garbage. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went through two days of the people signing me up, telling me I could do that, and me going to the to the actual site and the managers of that site telling me that I couldn't and going back to them and then telling me that I could. Um, yeah. I have some of that on video. And eventually the day I was supposed to go, I signed all the paperwork. I was loading their van. They sent two different people and those people said, Oh no, you can't bring the stuff that you have here ready to go. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And now I'm going to get evicted with nowhere to go. Mayor, go ahead. Yes. No, that, that's a very frustrating situation. Um, you know, and, you know, I'm very clear in regards to this new administration that there are going to be options. Right. And of course, your personal stuff is very important. Um, you know, being homeless myself previously, um, you know, all that I had in my trash bags that I had were my things. And those are important to me. And so I'm sorry that you experienced that. But, you know, we do have shelters where you can bring your items with you. Um, you know, I'm working closely with Council Member Fife in regards to the Wood Street. And um, I want to make sure that uh, you are taken care of that you are able to you know um when you go to the next shelter that you are able to bring your items with you that you care uh, about Uh, and that's part of the issue too is that um you know we have people who are wanting to take up shelter i mean obviously there are others who um don't want to, you know, move away from that specific site or what have you. But for people like this person who's called in, who's like, look, okay, that's fine. I will move to a different shelter, but I need to bring my stuff. Like we have to be accommodating in that regard. And that's something that I want to continue to work on under this administration. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much. And um, hope hope the best for your future housing situation there. Um, I want to ask you about one other um, kind of big, big item that's been going on, uh, which is there's been this coal export terminal. It's a commodity export terminal that's supposed to be developed uh, by an Oakland group to that would probably end up uh, exporting a lot of coal to Utah. Now, I know in your campaign you opposed the terminal, but the city's legal hand has also proven to be pretty weak so far. Lost a lot of uh, legal case, legal uh, mm-hmm. maneuverings. So what should happen now? Do you just buy out that terminal? Do you keep fighting it in court? Like, what's the answer for Oakland? You know, um, you know, for me, I'm zero, like, I will never be okay with coal coming through Oakland. You know, it, um, again, West Oakland is already one of the highest polluted areas here in the Bay Area region, uh, let alone Oakland. And of course, and we, we're seeing that this is the more black and brown and um, lower income neighborhoods as well, too. And so uh, it's always going to be a no support on my part in regards to shipping and coal. However, there I do see a world where we can uh, I can go in and have a discussion with the folks who are, um, you know, who are the owners and saying like, you know, they, they 
can transport other things, right? Other uh, uh, commodities. But um, I think they get right that. Now, they just want you to pay them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I bet you. They, I bet they do. But then it's. But then that's where I stand. It's yeah. no coal, no coal. Period. Point blank. And uh, from that point, that's where we move from. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you one kind of bigger picture question. I mean, there's a pattern of Oakland mayors who kind of campaign as progressive or on the left. I mean, thinking Jerry Brown opening his campaign arguing for an ecotopia, or Ron Dellums, who was a socialist in Congress and then was mayor, or even even Gene Kwan who then kind of come in and really govern uh, as centrists or, or moderates. What do you think? Like, do you think that's going to happen to you? Has that already happened to you? Do you think you'll end up governing more moderate than you campaigned? You know, um, you know when I campaign, uh, so I always tell people, like, I'm not a traditional politician, right? I That's not how I grew up. I didn't grow up watching politics. Um, and uh, for me, I'm following my values. I know exactly how I grew up. I know that there's negative consequences to certain things. And a great example is around our unhoused community, right? Like I stated earlier, look, I've been unhoused before and I needed support. I couldn't afford to pay for my first month's rent in deposit and last month. And so sometimes families need help, you know, and need the resources just so that they can get up and get running. But, um, but at the same time, as a single mom, like if I saw again, like an, a, an encampment at the park, like I wouldn't feel comfortable sending my son there because like, I don't know who's having a bad day, who isn't. And that's always been my values. For me, I'm going to follow my values in regards to what uh, what's going to be the best for working families, working families in our my North Star, making sure the kids can get to school safely and get back home safely. And so, you know, but at the same time, understanding that the systems are not set up to, uh, to support certain marginalized groups. And so making sure that we create some of the systems change in that regard as well too and what you are seeing uh and i've already done is you know with um you know uh with this historic of putting um the police chief on paid administrative leave is that you know that everyone's gonna kind of get the same treatment right there's no uh preference or no uh favoritism or what have you like that and um you know so if other officers are being put on paid administrative for the integrity investigation then that's what's going to happen whether you're the chief or rank and file susan does write in to say we in oakland love our city and each other how can we all be more involved to help solve the problems of oakland thanks for your leadership i want to ask you one last thing on our way out what's your favorite place in the town my favorite place in the town, uh, I love Joaquin Miller Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it, That's the district that I represented um, when I was a council member. But it's very peaceful, and um, I like going out there for walks with my son. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maritao. You've got a big job ahead of you, obviously. Thanks so much for uh, spending some of your morning here with us uh, today on Forum. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to the next time. Yeah. We've been talking with the newly inaugurated mayor of Oakland, Shang Tao. She's been in office for about 17 days, and I think you guys gave her a full plate uh, out there. Thank you, everyone, and apologize that we couldn't get to all the calls and, and all the comments. There were a, a ton of them. Thank you so much. This is Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.